listening to She Rises, a podcast dedicated to women who are ready to stop settling and start living their lives by design. If you're ready to talk about the stuff that weighs you down and get practical advice on everything from your health, body image, spirituality, relationships, and personal growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Giovanna Capoza, your host, master coach, spiritual teacher, and mind-body expert, and I'm on a mission to unsettle women all over the world. Are you ready to rise? Welcome back to another episode of She Rises. I am your host, Giovanna Capoza, dating and relationship coach. And I am so excited about today's guest for two reasons. One, if you are dating and you are thinking to yourself, there is just no more good men out there for me, then you want to listen to this show because we're going to talk about exactly what you need to look for in a man that you're dating and what not to go for, really. Frankly speaking, there's there's things to just avoid completely. And we're going to talk about that in this show. And if you're in a relationship, then you really want to listen to this show because we're going to talk about how to understand your partner better and the ins and outs of how to navigate conflict and how to really express what you need better in a relationship. You know, we're built very differently, whether you identify as feminine, a female, or you identify as masculine, as a male, it doesn't matter. We are all built differently. We have different nervous systems. And the bottom line, guys, is that if you don't understand yourself and you don't take the effort and time to understand your partner, chances of you having a really happy and fulfilling relationship are slim. You know, gone are the days when it's all about you and what you need and what the list is that you want in a guy. Girls, you know who I'm talking about. It's you. Um we have to think about what we're going to bring to the relationship. We have to be conscious in the way we create our partnerships because guess what? Finding the man of your dreams or the woman of your dreams is only half the battle. Really the rest of the battle comes in when you're together because that's when your two nervous systems interact. That's when your two traumas interact. That's when all the stuff that needs to come up to be healed in that particular beautiful laboratory of your relationship, right? In the incubator of that classroom, right? Throw another metaphor in there. That's when the stuff comes up. That's when the rubber meets the road. And that is when it is time to heal. That is when it's time to do the work. And so understanding yourself, understanding your partner better, and really coming to your relationships with a level of consciousness is where you are going to thrive. So Without further ado, I want to introduce my guest for today. Again, his doctor, his name is Dr. John Shininer. He coaches men to perform at their peak from the boardroom to the bedroom. He hosts a podcast of his own called The Evolved Caveman, and he's graduated from UC Berkeley with a PhD in educational psychology. And he was an expert on the movie Inside Out by Pixar. Lots more that John's done. You can find more about him uh, in the notes below, uh, about all his other credentials and wonderful things he's done, including running an anger management course that has had over 10,000 attendees. Like that's pretty awesome. So John knows his stuff and I was really, really excited to welcome him to the show. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Dr. John, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks, Giovanna. I'm so psyched to be here. So I was saying before we hit record that it's one thing for me to give advice and to tell the women I coach and who listen to the show, like, this is what to look for. And, you know, this is, this is what you want to create in terms of a relationship with a man. And then it's another thing for, you know, to have you on the show. You work with men all the time. 
Uh, like, you know, your bio says you take them from the boardroom to the bedroom. I had actually messed that up when I was reading it initially. And I said the, the bedroom to the boardroom, same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's just really special to have an expert like you on and to share your insight with us. So I'm totally jazzed that you're here. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So I want to dive right in. So one of the, well, many things I hear often, but one of the main things I hear from women who unfortunately have been around the bend a few times is discouragement and a lot of disappointment and really this, this belief that has set in of there's just no good men out there. And as a coach, I question that. And when I go that further step to question it, what I hear is, oh, well, I, I guess I just don't know what that looks like. So there, it's, it's this funny thing where they're coming in with, there's just no more good men out there. And then really what's behind that is they don't even know what a good man looks like. So go. <laughs> <laughs> that seems very broad. Um, tell let's us, see, so, well, tell, I mean, walk us through, what would you say to a woman that says that? Okay, so the, the first part is I would look at your core belief. And the core belief is there's no good men out there. If you go through the world with that belief, my guess is that you're not going to find a good man. Because even the good men that you run into, that core belief is going to screw up the interactions so that you're like, yeah, he's, he's a loser. He's no good. He's, you know, whatever. Um, so I would look at revising that core belief to something like there are good men out there. Perhaps they're hard to find. Yeah. Is, isn't it? Yeah, I think you just touched on it. Isn't it true that when you believe something or whether, and you might, it might not have already settled into your core, but if you're repeating it all the time, then chances are it has. But when you believe something, you look for the evidence to make that true. To support it. Yeah. The confirmation bias. Yeah. So you could be with an amazing man and you could be like, I, I call it the false red flags, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're so, your, your nervous system is so hyped up to like, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to be disappointed that you're like inventing red flags where they do not exist. Right. Yeah. yeah I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, so to get back to the original question, I think that one of the things is know what to look for, uh, know what you are looking for. Even if you've never met a man like this, like come up with a list of, I would say five or six must haves and three deal breakers. And, you know, I can make my suggestions, but you know, the, what I always tell the, the men I'm working with is things like physical beauty and, you know, physical fitness, those are easy to find. I would argue that it's easy to find someone that you're physically attracted to. The hard part is finding someone with ethics and integrity, which means honesty also, um, with emotional balance, with emotional depth, with communication skills, with the ability to be supportive, um, an optimistic bias, a growth mindset. I mean, these are all things that I think are really necessary. In fact, there was a a young lady that had just graduated from Harvard uh, last year. I was doing an interview and she was an intern. And she, after the interview, after the interview, she said, uh, hey, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah, sure. She said, well, I broke up with my boyfriend a few months ago and I'm just looking at starting dating again. Do you have any advice on what to look for? And I said, yeah, I think that the one single thing that I would look for, the, the biggest thing I would look for is someone with a growth mindset. So someone that is willing to learn and grow with you in the area of relationship and communication. Because if you have someone like that, there's very little that I would say you can't overcome as a couple. Mm, such a good point too, right? Because if you're with someone that uh, isn't willing to see their blind spots, isn't even willing to admit that they have any blind spots, um, 
um, I found very difficult time with men in the past that are afraid of vulnerability and that can't mm -hmm. go there. And that's created a, like an invisible wall and a barrier. So yeah, that's, that's super good advice. When I was dating a few years ago, so I've been with my fiance now four years, so maybe five years ago, um, one of the biggest complaints that I heard from women out there was, where are all the emotionally available men? Where are the emotionally mature men? And, and I think to me, that means vulnerability to your point. And, and I, yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of my podcast is let me help men or let me coach men to evolve past that caveman status. Like it's no longer enough to be that kind of, it's no longer enough to be the, the husband, father, and man as it was in my dad's generation. Right. Now, I think yeah. back then it was okay to be a good provider for the family. And if you weren't abusive in any way, and if you weren't some sort of a drug or alcohol addiction, you were a good husband, you were a good father. Now the definition for husband has changed dramatically in the past, I would say, 50 years. And part of that came with the empowerment of women where they got into the workforce and got their own financial resources. At that point, their expectations of a partner began to shift and shift from a financial partner to a lifelong romantic partner, someone who is communicative, someone who is emotionally literate, someone who's supportive, communicative, um, empathetic. The problem with this is nobody told us men. Yeah, let's go there because I actually want to know what men are experiencing. I think it's so important for women to understand the experience of a man and not stick them all in the same box and to understand how they were raised and what they're coming to the table with and have some empathy around that. Yeah. yeah and, and so let me, let me tell you a story of how men are socialized. And I, you may have heard this story before, but your listeners may not have. And the reason I share this story with you all is I want you to have a little bit more compassion for men. And, you know, I'm a big fan of the Me Too movement. I know that women have it hard. I know I'm a white man and I've experienced white privilege. I get all that. And, and it's not an either or, it's an and. Men are in a tough spot as well. I don't think there's an easy way through this life. I think there is struggle and challenge for everyone. Um, so to have compassion for each other and communication, I think is a big deal. So that said, um, so when we are little boys, and this starts as young as kindergarten, think, let's think middle school right now. So if I'm a middle school student and I show too much sadness or fear, someone in my group of friends will say something like, dude, stop being such a pussy. Um, don't be a bitch or stop being a girl. And when you hear that a few times, you realize as a young boy, like, holy shit, I don't want to feel that again. I don't like to be embarrassed. That's not okay. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm, yeah. And you're, you're, you're not given permission. And it could be your dad that says this. It could be a sports coach, could be a teacher, could be a girlfriend, but someone will say it along the way. I'm 52. I still get this shit. Um, and when you get that, you jump back in this man box. And so the other side of it is if I show too much excitement, joy, love, romanticism, someone will say something like, dude, don't be so gay or don't be a fag. And I, I forgive, forgive me for the slurs, but that's what we get. And this yeah. stuff has been around at least as long as I've been, uh, as I was when I was a kid. And so the problem here is that we learn really quickly not to show two thirds of the emotional spectrum. And what we're left with as men that we can publicly display as far as emotion without fear of getting humiliated is three things. We've got lust. Oh, she's so hot, I'd do her. We've got stress. 
because I can say I'm so stressed and that implies I'm busy and important. But you can't say I'm afraid. No, oh hell no. Yeah. No, no, no. Can't say I'm stress, worried. Stress is common. Anxious. You can say that. Yeah. yeah stress is okay. Um, and, and the big one that hits most of us is anger, some degree of anger, annoyance, frustration, irritability, rage. But most of our emotions get channeled through that anger lens. And I've seen men that channel sadness into anger. I mean, depression in men typically comes out as irritability. I see anxiety flipping to anger. I see guilt and shame flipping to anger. I see embarrassment flipping to anger. Keep in mind, this is the third of a second. This is really fast. But then we get, you know, fast forward, we get into a relationship with a grown woman and our woman, our spouse, our girlfriend says, I can't connect with my partner. That's the biggest complaint I hear. Yeah. And it, and it makes sense. But keep in mind that we weren't socialized to be in relationship. We weren't taught how to connect. We weren't encouraged to figure out what we're feeling. We weren't taught how, like how to label what we're feeling. We were socialized in the exact opposite direction. We were mocked and humiliated for all of that. And then we get into a relationship and you know, our partner's like, well, why can't you be communicative? Why can't you be supportive? Why can't you be empathetic? You know, how come you're an emotional idiot? And that's how we were socialized. And here's the key point, I think. We didn't ask to be socialized that way. No. You know, when I was five, I didn't ask to be mocked for how I felt. It just happens. Now, I would say it's not our fault, but it is our responsibility to find ways to evolve past that man box. And, and the other piece of the man box is that, you know, if you ask middle school and high school boys, what does it mean to be a man? You'll get these really common themes and answers, things like to be invulnerable, to be self-reliant, to be dominant, to be dominant over women, to be aggressive, to know everything, to not back down, to not feel, to be a provider. Now, there's some good stuff in there, but there's also some bad stuff, some stuff that I'm working to change personally and I'm trying to get clients to change. And I would say there's not one ideal form of masculinity. I think there's hundreds. But what I'm trying to do is get men to look at their form, their ideal, their idea of masculinity. And what is it you want to like remove from that and leave in the past? And what do you want to lop onto the front moving forward into the future? What do you want to add? How do you want to grow? Instead of just kind of mindlessly and blindly assuming these lessons that were taught to us at the age of six and seven. Yeah. I mean, it's a amazing, important work that you do. And I want to, I mean, there's so much in what you said, but I mean, the, the first thing that comes up for me is that concept of like the emotionally unavailable man, right? Where I, I mean, I hear that ad nauseum. I was, I probably had a t-shirt printed with that at one point, right? Cause that was my mantra too. Like all oh, these emotionally unavailable men. And there's a way that I have found with myself personally, and even with uh, the clients that I work with is that when you become okay with your own vulnerability as a woman, and so many of the women that I coach that are type A, really successful in other areas, right? They just, it seems like the relationship thing, they can't get down, right? Um, when you become comfortable with your own vulnerability, there's a way that you can invite a man into his vulnerability to feel safe with you. Because like you, to your point, men haven't felt safe to be vulnerable. And often as women, we get on the patriarchy and like we're the victims of the patriarchy. Men are the victims of the patriarchy too, because it's just this yes, whole we system, all, are. all of us. So I, I love that you touched on that. And for the women listening, 
the, the it's, it's a two-sided thing. Like the work is on both sides, right? And if you are comfortable with your vulnerability, like I have seen that in my experience, being more comfortable with my vulnerability and my partner is, there's an invitation for him and a, and a sense of like, it's safe for you to be vulnerable here. And I mean, even early days of our relationship, he commented on, like, I've never been able to talk to somebody like this. Yeah. And, and so I, the general rule of thumb that I use is don't criticize the emotion, but you can criticize the behavior. Mm. So in other words, give your partner permission and room to feel whatever it is they're feeling without judgment on your part. But, you know, if, if like, let's say if we're in a relationship and I'm getting angry at you, I can get angry and say, Giovanna, you know, I need you to speak to me with respect or I need you to not insult me. You know, if we're in the middle of an argument, for example, I can't like get angry and insult you, punch a hole in the wall, threaten you physically. So the anger itself is okay. How I behave as a result of the anger may or may not be okay. And I, I think that's a really good rule of thumb because I mean, I try and do that with, with my fiance now, like, okay, she's really sad and depressed right now. Let me just allow her to be that and not try and fix it. And that's really hard. It is. <laughs> and taking it personally. Let's talk yep. about that. Yep. Let's talk about that. Cause men are fixers, right? Like if yes, you're, yeah, if you're, whether, what doesn't matter, um, you know, what you identify as, right? Like it's, if you're identifying as a man, excuse me, is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm the male tendency, the male energy, the, the, the yang energy is to fix things. Mm -hmm. And not all men, right? There's some men that don't, but most men, let's most. generalize here. They want to fix, right? And it's because they care and they want to make you feel better. So talk to us about, like, I've had to, I've had to coach myself around this, but um, talk to us a little bit about how we as women can ask and be clear on what we need so that you know, if we don't want you to fix, then you won't fix. So I think that I would challenge the women listening to this podcast to understand that you have been socialized in a different way than we men have been. So women are typically socialized in the direction of relationship, communication, bonding, connecting. I don't mean that to be sexist. That's it's a genetic reality. It's an evolutionary yeah. reality. It's embedded in our stress response. We have different stress responses. Typically, men are fight, flight, freeze. Women are tend and befriend. That's a study from UCLA that shows that when women are stressed out, they tend to take care of young and old people in the tribe and huddle together with others to talk and gain a sense of control. It's why so we go to the bathroom together. Right. And so you guys just by nature are more social. By nature, you are better in relationship, I would argue. And so I would challenge you to assume the role of, um, how do I put this? Like a, a super subtle teacher, a very understated teacher within your relationship. That there are times when we men just don't know and you guys have a leg up on us, definitely emotionally. I mean, the average woman can name 17 emotions, the average man eight. So we are at a disadvantage in relationship. And partly it's just how we're socialized. But I mean, one of the things I would do is to assume that role of teacher at times and very softly and very gently without judgment, say something like, hey, honey, I'm going to vent right now about what's going on at work. And I would really appreciate it if you could just listen and not try and fix it. I don't need you to fix it. All I need you to do is listen. 
And, and just by saying something like that, and, and be aware that we might fuck that up. Um, that, and, and here's the thing. So I tell my men, like, look, if, you're, if your wife or your partner's venting to you about something that's not related to you, and you realize like, okay, I'm gonna be, in, I'm gonna be listening to this for a while, I would say, you know, can, can I interrupt for a second and ask a question? Do you want me to just listen? Do you want a hug? Or do you want me to try and fix it? Because if you have the answer to that, it's really, really helpful as a man. Now, odds are the answers most times gonna be, I just need you to listen. Now, here's what I've noticed. We can get that information and still screw it up. Why? Because I think what happens is most of the men I've talked to do have a strong degree of empathy, which means that when our partner's in distress, when they're sad, when they're angry, when they're hurt, we hurt too. And it's uncomfortable for us and we don't know what the hell to do with it. So we've got this internal discomfort that's coming up. Our partner's distressed. We can't really deal with it. So what do we do? We open our mouth and we try and fix it. Yeah. And I would say on the other end too, for the woman listening is like to, to know that and, and be patient with that. And I actually, that's, that's something even going into it, knowing that information where I've messed that up too, where I haven't gone in and said, like, I just need you to listen. Right. And then, you know, he comes in with the fixing and then I get annoyed and it's like, you know, but he's taught me that too. Cause he's, he's actually stopped and said, okay, what do you need from me? Well, wait, and can I back you up there? So because yeah. we think that's a common pattern where, so let's say you've told your partner, hey, I just need you to listen. You start venting, let's say. He gets distressed and then has to come in, like he'll start to try and fix it because that's habit. It's unconscious. It's what we've been doing for 50 years, let's say. So a better approach than getting annoyed is to just come out and say, hey, honey, I realize you're trying to fix it. I really appreciate that. All I need you to do right now is listen. Redirect. Yeah, exactly. And remind. Remind, remind us. Remind yeah. us. Because it's going to take repetition for us to get this. Because what we're talking about is a retraining of the emotional mind. And it's really deep and it's really embedded in us. And it's, not, it's, it's not that we're trying to be offensive or disrespectful or disregard what you're saying. It's that we can't deal with our own internal discomfort. And I think too, it's this really strong protective drive too, like of wanting to protect what you love. Right. And so, you know, I, I, I remind myself of that. I have to remind my clients of that, but I think this dialogue too, that we're having is so important because it's the very meaning of, you know, when I talk about conscious relationship, like this is the consciousness. It's not some like sit on a lily pad and, you know, meditate and levitate somewhere with your part. Great. Do that if you want. But, it's but, but I do think, I do think yeah. there's part of it, you know, one of the first things I teach my male clients is awareness and the importance of awareness and then practicing mindfulness, because I do think we need to spend more time um, focusing on the present moment with just our mind in the present. I think we need to spend more time focusing on what's going on in our body to figure out what emotions are we feeling in the moment. And then we also need to spend some time looking at what are the thoughts that we are having so we can either catch them and challenge them or realized, oh, wait, yeah, there's that thought again of I'm a freaking moron. Well, I've seen that before. I'm just going to let that thought go. Yeah, absolutely. There's the individual practice of your own state of awareness and mindfulness and consciousness. But this also this like dynamic at play because, you know, our egos come in and we start getting triggered. Like I just, I just had this thing with my boyfriend the other day. Like I was completely triggered and I could see myself. I could totally see the train wreck happening. It was like (laughs) right in front of me. It was just that. And I was like, Oh my God, I can't even stop it. Like it was just such an embed. It was a trauma response. I I, I mean, after I calmed down, I recognized what it was. 
and it was enough and we and we talked about it and it was fine but so sometimes that happens even when you're practiced in this and the idea is to notice oh i'm triggered here something's upset me let me figure out what this is before you know i explode and react on my partner and then later have to you know buy him dinner and apologize profusely I really appreciate your point because, you know, I'm a PhD in psychology. My fiance is a master's and she's a master's level therapist and we still get hooked. We know all the tools. We practice all the tools. You're human. We're still human and we still get emotional at times. And, you know, I, I think just having, giving yourself permission to be human and to realize that no matter how good at this you are, there's still challenge. They're still getting hooked by emotion. And so then we get into the area of repair attempts. You know, so yeah. the, the repair attempts are, you know, um, if I'm in a disagreement with my fiance, then a repair attempt on my part might be a bad joke or an attempt to, it might be a smile. It might be a kiss on the cheek. It could be a hug. It could be a hand on the, on the thigh. It could be an, I love you. It could be an, I'm sorry. Um, any way that you can reach out and extend the olive branch. Now there's two parts to a repair attempt. One is making the repair attempt. The other is receiving the repair attempt well. And you got to realize when you're in the midst of those arguments, (laughs) most times you're not going to feel like making the repair attempt and you're not going to feel like receiving the repair attempt well. But I think that you got to realize you've got to make the repair attempt regardless of how you feel because if you wait, you're not going to feel better and resolved until you meet at the middle in some sort of reconciliation. Yeah, until you until you um, repair the connection, right? Because so often when you're in conflict or in an argument, it feels like there's been a total divide between you. When you can repair the connection, and the faster you can do that, the better. But you're right; like sometimes you just want to dig your heels in and be like, "No." And it's, it's <laughs> funny, like so. Jory and I and my fiance, we were in Barcelona, and we had just come in from France that day, and it was we were tired, we were hungry, we got into a stupid argument over, you know, I ate a piece off the, like part of the appetizer while she was in the bathroom. And I don't know, she wanted to take a photo of it or something. And I was starving. So there was no wrong there, right? I'm starving. I want to eat. She's like, I want to take a photo first. Uh, you started without me. And it's, but it's nothing, right? It's over the dumbest shit, but we were tired and we got triggered and it went on and on and on forever. I'd make a repair attempt. She wouldn't receive it. Well, she'd make a repair attempt. I was still butthurt about the last repair attempt that wasn't received well, and we just kept missing. So realize that that too is part of the dynamic, right? That you, know, you might make a repair attempt, they might make a repair attempt, you make a repair attempt, they make a repair attempt. You gotta keep going until you meet in the middle. Yeah, and, and just to your point earlier, I want for everyone that's watching and listening, these are two people like PhD and a master's here and this happens, right? Like, so be easy on yourself, go gentle on yourself, right? It just happens. Um, I want to switch back to the, the dating single people. Cause we, we okay. well went into the relationship people for a sec and you know, there's this, again, there's these ideas of what I hear most often is that there's no model for what to look for. So are there any specific, I don't know, books, for example, or resources that you have, uh, we would recommend to women watching to really start to kind of get it into their uh, psyche that these men are out there. They do exist. But one, one resource is, I, is your podcast. I have to say, yes. like, I keep telling everybody to listen to this podcast. We'll have the link in the show notes. Um, great resource. But it's just Thanks. developing this empathy and compassion 
Yeah, so I don't, uh, the podcast is The Evolved Caveman, just so you know, but um, I don't have a specific book because that's kind of interesting. I haven't really seen a book like that. But um, one of the things that Idea. crosses my mind, yeah, is, um, so one of the, when I do talk to women, which is pretty infrequent, and they're looking to date, I will ask them what they've looked at initially. Like, who have you initially been attracted to in the beginning? Like, if you're going to bars, like, what type of guy? And almost inevitably, they'll say something about a guy that kind of turns out to be an alpha male. You know, big, strong, handsome, square jaw, loud, likes a lot of attention. Um, and I... I, to me, there's two different kinds of guys that you go after if you're going to date. If you're looking to get laid as a woman, fine, go after the alpha male. I, maybe that'll be a good, night's, good night of fun. He is not good for a relationship. That is the wrong kind of guy for a long-term relationship. Tell us why. Because he has no communications. Typically, he has no communication skills, no emotional awareness. He has gotten through life typically to some, if not a bully, he's used to intimidating people, used to getting his way, um, easily angered, easily triggered, just not very mature because he's never been forced to grow up. Mm. So the skills that worked for him in middle school have still worked for him. Why and do you so, think we're attracted to that? Why, why do you think these I think women... It's, I, think it's yeah. in, I think it's in females' DNA. I think it, it goes back... Uh, it's, it's an evolutionary um, response. Because if you think back to when we lived in tribes, it made sense for women to go after the alpha male in the tribe. Because if you're the biggest and strongest, you can even the angriest, you can protect your mate from other people, other um, risks, saber-toothed tigers, bears, whatever it is. That guy will keep you safe. He also is not going to treat you very well, but you'll be you'll stay alive. Yeah. And and that part is embedded deep, deep in our brain, in female brains, I would argue. Mm-hmm. And so I think females do that without any awareness. And that's why I'm saying I don't think physical attraction is the most important thing. I think for a lot of us, it steers us astray. And so to look for a guy that you think is physically attractive, but maybe not the alpha. Maybe a guy that's a little bit smarter, a little bit kinder, a little bit more thoughtful, able to go a little bit more deep in terms of emotion, that guy is going to suit you far better for a long-term relationship. So to me, I think you got to be clear on what it is you're looking for when you go out or when you're on Tinder or Bumble or Match or whatever it is. Like, what do you want, right? Do you just want, do you want the, <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to be totally like, Anyway, please feel, please, please feel free to comment. I, you either want the meathead, right? Who's not yep. going to treat you, right? And you Who's want, lady, maybe. right, the knuckle dragger, because it's going to yeah. be a great night in, in the sack, which maybe yeah. if you're in your 20s, that's fine. But yeah. if you're middle-aged and, you know, most of the women that I talk with are like, you know, 35 plus, right? That's not middle-aged, but, it, you know, if you're in there, then you you are you're looking for something totally different. I think the point yeah. is like be clear on what you want, yep. and and it is out there. And I really just for people watching and listening, one of the and you mentioned this and we've said it a couple of times. A big game changer for me was understanding men and understanding their point of view, 
and where their lines of sensitivity were and like like you said how they were socialized so um again like i'm i'm just such a big fan the evolved men podcast will have the link in the show notes i think it's so important to hear and understand the perspective and the experience of the other side because if you're if you're seeking to have a partnership with someone of the opposite sex and you don't understand them at all it's i mean there's there's an issue there right you want to understand each other so i just really want to harp on that because i and that's part of the biggest reason i want to have you on is because i think it's so important for us as women to understand better because it's not just all about understanding us right, right. well and let me add one more thing to that point because one of the when I was younger, like middle school, I used to think I was the only emotionally sensitive man, male out there. And I felt like a fish out of water. Since then, I've worked with thousands of males and probably 95% of them are also, they also feel things deeply, which surprised me. And it's just that we're not given a chance to talk about it because typically we can't talk about it with other men for fear of being ridiculed. So understand when you do find the right partner, they will be emotionally sensitive. They may not know how to deal with it. They may not show it very much, but my guess is their feelings will get quite hurt when they're in a romantic relationship with someone they really deeply care about. I, I like the phrase, but hurt. We get but hurt. But her? But hurt. Oh, so but hurt. But hurt. It's from a, uh, a high school client of mine years ago. And I was like, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good description. But her, yeah, I mean, it's so true. And again, I go back to there's a way that we as women in relationship can learn to invite that more. Like we're so busy, worried about what we need and what we want and how we're going to feel safe and like the we, we, me, me, me. And I just drives me nuts when I start coaching women like that, because it's like, well, what are you bringing to the table and what invitation are you going to bring to you know, invite his vulnerability and 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 just really accept who he is, right? So it's both. the other thing to bring up. So pardon me for interrupting. Yeah. But what I've also seen with a couple of women is they will have a list, and it's a list of must-haves, and the list is twenty-six items long, <laughs> three pages. And, and I'm like, <laughs> um, can I bring up a point here? That guy, that guy does not actually exist. He really doesn't. <laughs> You know, six packs, six feet, six figures, emotionally sensitive, ethical, integrity. I'm like, yeah, that guy's not. Right. You know. And then, and it's such a fun, then you meet, you meet the guy who's potentially your guy. Mm -hmm. And then you, and you, and you look at the list and you're like, oh no, right. It doesn't match. And, and you get yourself in a head spin and it's absolutely stupid and ridiculous. I tell women, you know, if you're going to make the list, make the list, then burn it. But the real list that you should make is the feelings list, right? I feel emotionally safe. He makes me feel beautiful. He makes like the, the, what do you feel when you're with this person? That's the list you need to make. And it not, has nothing to do with looks and all that jazz either. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think emotional safety is a big part of it. And, and one of the reasons for that is we know that if you don't feel emotionally safe, then you've effectively cut off half of the positive emotions available to you. So it's a big deal, whether it's um, in couples or parenting or in the workplace. Um, yeah. Psychological safety is huge. And, is, and, yeah. and I think the other part of that is, you know, I want to encourage the women out there to be comfortable with a man's anger, to, to know that you can withstand it. As long as he's not behaving in a way that's out of line, please try and give him permission to feel his anger. Like, look, I understand you're angry right now. I get it. I, you have permission to be angry, 
Um, and then, you know, maybe you got to tweak how he's behaving as a result. But I, I think, you know, the, let me tell a quick story. I remember um, Jory and I had been going out about three months, I think. And I came over after work. I was tired. I was exhausted, a little bit stressed, a little bit out of sorts. Like I was a little bit bummed out. And so we hung out for a couple hours and then it was time to go home. So I went to the door and I said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that I was kind of out of sorts, a little bit bummed out. Um, I, it has to do with work. It doesn't have to do with you. And she said, listen, my job is to accept all of you, the good and the bad. So you can feel whatever you want to feel. Yeah. And to me, that was revolutionary. No one's ever told me that before. And it was freeing. And, and to have permission to feel what you're feeling, whether from yourself or your loved one, I think allows it to um, go away sooner. Yeah. I, I love that you brought that up. I think we talked about that when I was on your show as well, because I used to attract men who were, I, I don't know if I would have called them effeminate or so much um, just afraid of their own anger. And I almost put that on them, but I realized I was actually doing that because I was afraid of men's anger. I grew up with a rageaholic. Yeah. And so men getting angry used to like terrify me because it would trigger just this like that you know, trauma freeze. response. Yeah. Total trauma response. Yeah. When I, when I identified that in myself and I did work around it, I I'm able to sit with my partner's anger better. I don't take it personally. It's not about me. But this is, again, part of that consciousness and self-awareness that be aware of what your triggers are. Understand why you react to certain things the way you do. You'll start to understand why you're attracting the men you're attracting and, and the responses you're having. And so I'm way better with that now. But I think that's super important to allow your partner to... Well, and, and I think to your point, sorry for yeah. interrupting, him, but mm. um, I think that there's, there's three types of making love or, or sex. I think there's making love, there's screwing, and there's fucking. And you know, part of it is, it's, go, it's kind of moving on a scale from soft and gentle to aggressive, angry, BDSM perhaps. But if you want, and I think all three can be healthy given good communication yeah. in a relationship. Um, however, your man has to be able to feel the whole range of emotion to be able to access all three kinds of lovemaking. And you know, so- Interesting, I, that's, that's, yeah. Because if, if he's not angry, right? If he can't tap into anger, he can't get to that more angry, aggressive, assertive level in the bedroom. Either. And you want that, ladies. You want you that. Trust it's me. Exciting. It's amazing. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I think there's, there's rewards to being more emotionally literate, to being more emotionally aware. Um, and, and I think it's a great goal for all of us to shoot for. Yeah. Allow for that range in your partner yeah. because, you know, you, you want that allowed in you as well, right? I think a lot of women have trouble expressing their anger because they're worried they're gonna be perceived as hysterical or you know, their, their partner's gonna look at them and be like, oh my God, I don't know what to do yeah. with that, right? But again, that's another way that we have to educate our partner and say like, I'm blown off some steam right now. I'm just like, let me well, Where, where else it. can you let that out, right? I mean, you can't let that out at work. You can't let it out in front of the kids, hopefully. You know, so that should be the safest place for you to express those emotions. Yeah. Now, absolutely. again, you know, it's, you got to keep in mind how the, be, the behavior that's accompanying the emotion. Right. Like if I start throwing plates around the kitchen right. and start, you know, that's not, that's not okay. The behavior yeah. is what needs to be looked at for sure. That's not okay. And but, so that part's on you. The other part's right. on your partner to say, hey, you know, I see that you're really sad right now or you're distraught. Let me sit with you. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, just on the final point for women listening and the odd men that I have listening, just educate yourself, educate yourself about you, educate yourself about your partner. If you don't have a partner, just educate yourself about men. And like you said, how they've been socialized and there's so many amazing, wonderful men out there. I think you mentioned the Me Too movement. And mm. I, I think as beautiful and as necessary as some of that righteous anger has had to be for some of those women that have come out with that, I've had my own Me Too experience. There is the flip side of that where, you know, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And there's amazing, beautiful men out there that just just need to be given the chance to be seen really because we're so focused on the on the ugly and there's well, and, and I think that's one of the challenges of life too right where we get we get into a relationship we get hurt we close up we withdraw then it's the process of kind of taking the risk to open up again to try again and keep trying until you find the right person yeah don't yeah. let the pain close you up oh that's beautiful that's such a good note to end on. Don't let the pain close you up, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Beautiful. Thanks for being here, John. I just so My appreciate pleasure. you. Yeah. Thank you. Everybody, uh, you can comment in the show notes or you can comment um, in the comments below this video if you're watching it on video. And of course, go and see John's uh, links. We're going to have them here as well to the podcast and to his website. Thank you again for being here. My pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep rising everyone for books and resources related to today's episode make sure you head over to sherisespodcast.com and i'll see you there if you've enjoyed today's episode make sure you tune back in next week when i dive into more juicy topics to help make your life the best it can be and hey if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you love it head on over to itunes and leave me a rate and review and subscribe there to the show 